so last year, um, Hip Entertainment uh, booked us for. Oh boy, she got really, really close to a to an area that would not be fun. That's the cat, um, <laughs> not me. <laughs> Oh yeah, coming to you on the ones and twos, Mercy and the Mans, episode six, I think. <laughs> this I don't is know. something we probably should have looked at from the get go. If it's not six, feel free to fact check us. Um, I and Miss Mercy here have a couple of uh, Makers Manhattans, mm-hmm. and we just thought, hey, we uh, are tired of not talking. So I mean, we talk to each other, but we're tired of not All talking. The time. Out to the world, so here we are, coming to you through the airwaves, through your uh, internet cables, or over the Wi-Fi's or the datas, where you download your um, podcasts. Just so you know, he he did suggest that he open today's podcast. I'm just trying out some material, you know. It's not. <laughs> okay. It's not good. <laughs> you wanted to do this. It's true. <laughs> um, if you've just found us. I was thinking we we haven't really like we don't at the top of the show introduce ourselves every time. This is Mercy and the Mans, but we are now uh, what a month, almost two months in of a husband and wife team that own Mercy and the Heartbeats, which is our band. You can find us at mercyandtheheartbeats.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Yelp. <laughs> and um but yeah, basically, uh, we decided to do a podcast, or um, let's be honest, I decided. I, I kicked this thing off. It's kind of about our music endeavors, our band, our life as a couple, working together. And yeah, a little bit of, little bit of everything. A little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Yeah, exactly. So um, I thought today... I had been talking to you about this. Um, Instead of really being all about mercy and the heartbeats, I thought it would be fun to talk about past stories, past horror stories, funny stories of things that we have encountered being in this whole music industry since everything is at a halt right now. (laughs) We really don't have anything to talk about. Let's talk about the past. The glory days. Glory days. Sorry. Um, We don't have, you know, a lot going on right now because everything is still shut down. Uh, Although we have a wedding next week. In this state anyway. Some some states are uh, (laughs) just cruising along. (laughs) But uh, we do have a wedding next week. I guess we could talk a little bit about that. Yeah, it's it's a... Technically, a virtual wedding. I think there's going to be a few guests, but they they just decided, screw it. We're gonna we're gonna still gonna have the band and and do it at our private residence instead of our normal uh, you know venue, and where they're gonna stream it. They hired a company. Apparently, there's companies now, and, and I guess we'll report back next time you hear from us because um, it probably won't be before August eighth, <laughs> like how not. it goes. But I guess there's companies that are kind of popping up that are trying to specialize in uh you know zoom weddings zoom meetings whatever and so 
it'll be uh, interesting, but they, they decided, screw it, we're not going to reschedule and we don't really want to cancel. And so it's going to be, we're probably going to be playing live to like 10 people and being broadcast over the airwaves. And Well, I, I get the not waiting. You and I had a backyard COVID masked wedding ceremony. So I, so I get that and all the power to them for that. I'm, I'm glad that we did and I wouldn't have wanted to wait any longer. Um, yeah, not only will it be interesting to perform in front of 10 people, uh, socially distanced and all that stuff, but we haven't played together as a band since March 14th. So that will be, do the math, count fingers. Well, and I mean, (laughs) you know. It's been five months since we played together as a band. There isn't really any safe way to rehearse. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like we should, but also putting everybody together in a small rehearsal space, masked or not. Yeah, no. I mean, our band's all responsible and I trust them to a certain extent, but seems like the worst thing you could do right now, you know? Yeah, no, we're not going to do that. One of the worst things. No, I think everybody will refresh and do their homework. I know that like I I kind of am like, oh, it's just going to be like getting back on the horse and it will be to a certain extent. But Depends on how many of the I know, newer medleys we want to put in the Right, but I know there's going to be that thing of like, oh, I should have like reviewed lyrics for this one and oh yeah, there's this one and oh, did I remember that this is a blind entrance or, you know, stuff like that. So that'll be interesting. Definitely something we can touch on on our next episode so yeah, we'll give you the um report card yeah oh you know we love our debriefs we will uh we'll be all about that but anyway yeah i thought it would be fun um because you and i have you know shared stories with each other well and, and with other peers but um we haven't just played in mercy and the heartbeats and we haven't just played in the previous band that we were in together so we have stories and some of them are good and some of them are funny, but, um, I don't know. What do you want to start with? What's your, what's one of your most memorable gigs? Uh, man, I, it's tough cause there's recency bias. Like I, you know, if you're going to ask me like, what are, what are like some of my best gigs, you know, um, I played, uh, Bob Dylan's blood on the tracks. Um, at Slim's, the the recently closed Slim's, for charity, um, and it was like kind of a a collection of like all, a lot of the songwriters in town who came out and sang, and there was Phil Lesh on bass, and then kind of a, a you know, and you were drumming. I was drumming on that gig, kind of like an all star um, all star songwriter based uh, house band too that I was in with with some of my favorite people and. It was a lot of fun, and there was a lot of jamming. Um, I have a recording of it, a pretty good recording of it, and it's like I'm pretty much playing everything I know how to play at max volume the whole time, but um, it was fun, and I was jacked up on caffeine. It was it was a, it was a lot of fun. That's one that pops to mind, um, because honestly, if you play with anybody from the Grateful Dead, and they... And they um, you know, advertise it at all, it'll sell out and those people will show up and they're, they're rabid fans. So it was a lot of fun and I wasn't really like too hip to, I'm still not super hip to Dylan. I wouldn't say that like Bob Dylan is like a catalog I'm intimately familiar with, but that record is one of the records that I think, um, I, I really 
dig of his, and it was fun to, to get into the get into the tunes. And the funny thing is, we we did a rehearsal the night before. We played it all through, and the rehearsal was better than the show. Um, and that usually happens. Yeah. <laughs> so like, there's that show, and then you know, I did um, Mile of Music in Appleton, Wisconsin, with Megan Slankard, who does the bumper music for the theme music for this show. Yes, yeah, she does. And we were playing as a power trio. We normally play. She had to play solo or we play as like a, you know, full five piece band. Um, but it was a trio with her playing bass, which was really cool. And we were playing an outdoors outdoor stage and it was beautiful. It was summertime in Wisconsin. It was beautiful out. And right in the middle of our set, it just started pouring rain, like just some of the heaviest rain I've ever been in. And I've been in like New Orleans rainstorms. Mm-hmm. We had to call the show in the middle, but Megan was out there just like we were out there playing and and just getting soaked, and she was like, "I'm." I kept thinking like, you, "We should probably call this. Like, this is actually genuinely dangerous what we're doing." And she was just not gonna do it. And it was like one of the more rock and roll moments that I've I've had. And then a lot of the gigs that you and I've done together. I mean, some of the bigger corporate corporate gigs where we've gotten to play with you know, um, kind of like special guests, like you know. Um, Brett Michaels and and Mark McGrath from Sugar Ray and Coolio and the Sugar Hill Gang and you do these shows where you you do a dance set but then you back these artists up you get to play their material there's generally generally no rehearsing with the artists except for like short sound check or whatever and so you kind of have to be on your game um, and and those are really rewarding and fun because it pushes your ta- it pushes like your ability at both to play but also to prepare right um, and then you and I did did one in 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 Vegas with rock and roll team building where we were the house band for this huge production, oh God, which yeah. I'd done before with Chuck Prophet, who, who I toured with and who I did some really cool shows with like South by Southwest and stuff. But, um, with Chuck, we were the house band for home Depot. And this was, this one was for a travel agency. I can't remember the name, but, um, that was like one where they're like, all right, you're going to play all these stings. I, I had charts for, you know, like 65 songs and it was like 30 seconds of each song it'd be like you know this person's walking on and you got to play the chorus to this song and then when they're done you play the chorus to this song or whatever and it's like there's no there was no room for for missing a count in there was no room for forgetting what song you were on there's no room for not knowing what you're doing and for me that kind of stuff those freak me out yeah, they freak me out too, but they really, that's where I get, that's what kind of gets me off is, is, is because I've worked so long to build my professionalism, I like to have it tested because well, yeah. some of the stories you'll hear today will not be flattering about my professionalism. And it's like at this point in my career, it's like when I get the opportunity to really, to really see if I have still have those skills and to, to prepare Right. To 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 perform and to um to be professional in an in a in an environment where you you know I mean you look really silly if you blow something in an environment like that so those are the ones that like come to mind just the, like I think like more macro view well and then of course as you're talking I'm starting to think like oh wait we can also go into like tr- like there there's there's the show aspect but aspect but there's also the travel aspect of things and I'm, I'm already thinking like oh this would be fun to talk about like what was the worst experience you had getting to a gig that has nothing to do with the actual plane for me um well I've been performing a lot longer uh, on on 
the stage a certain way. Um, one of my most memorable performances was, um, it's funny. There's a couple that come to mind that in the moment, um, it was lost on me of what, um, I was doing, you know, I, I did a show with, I, I did a song. I can't say a show. I did a, I did a performance, uh, with a John Lee Hooker. Mm. Didn't know, you know, I was 11 or 12, I think. And, um, it was amazing and it was great and everything, but, um, it was lost. I, I didn't know who he was at that age. It was that he was performing and I was asked to get up and do a song. We hadn't rehearsed, but we had, uh, they learned a song of mine. And, and, um, so I look back and I go like, holy, like I, I, I had no idea. I had no, I no idea that I was on stage with that greatness, I guess. Right, right. So there, that, that's one that comes to mind. Um, I used to sing and do a lot of stuff in the Latin market. And I used to get asked to do a lot of shows that would do um, tributes to Selena. Uh, she had just passed. And uh, well, she, had, she passed because she was brutally murdered. She'd just been br brutally murdered. And they were doing lots of tribute shows. And back in the day, San Jose used to have one of the biggest um, Cinco de Mayo celebrations. I mean, the whole county would shut down for it um i can't remember if it was cinco de mayo or if it was 16th of september but i got asked to do a show like a week notice and they wanted me to do all selena and i learned like 20 25 selena songs in a week that's with, a lot with my band that Back in the day, I mean, they they were great and they were great guys, but they weren't great musicians. So I am really, I, I really appreciate the work that they put in. We 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 worked every day. I think, um, you know, I, back then you didn't have iPads for lyrics right. or anything like that. So, or even to read music and everything. And so everything had to be memorized. So I memorized, you know, and Spanish isn't my first language, even though I, I sing in it. So I had to learn like I said, 20 to 25 Selena songs. So a different language memorized, um, choreography we used to do and everything like that. And we, it was like, you couldn't see where people ended. There was just so many people. And that was a really memorable show. Cause it was kind of also scary cause it was very overwhelming. That was one of the biggest shows I've ever performed. I mean, it was just like, you know, football field of people. Um, that was a really cool show. Um, what was another couple memorable ones? I mean, and then going forward from that, I would say I did one on the uh, Santa Anita racetrack. That was another Latin show. Um, used to do a lot of shows with telenovela stars, and they are very dramatic in real life. Also, so that was that was interesting. Um, Method actors, <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, and then from there on, same thing. Like we've had some great corporates together um a very well memorable and for different reasons my first gig back from having my daughter from having Roxy was a very memorable show for me because that was a, a, a for I you know we went out of state 
And um, Roxy was only seven weeks old, maybe, if that. And, um, you know, I was ready to get back to it and squeeze myself into my costume and uh, was quickly, um, quickly reminded that I had just had a baby. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I peed myself like at least three times. My body just felt like it wasn't the body that I had remembered it being the last time I performed. And it was, you know, I had huge engorged boobs by this point. And I had my, you know, my, my, my nether regions weren't all back in order yet. And that was a really, really challenging show for so many reasons. And that, that show I'll, I'll probably never forget. And those were with, um, that was with Coolio. Yeah, Coolio, <laughs> Brett Michaels, Brett Michaels yeah. and, um, Sugar Hill Gang. Right. So that was a, and that was a two hour set. And I was like, oh my God, you know, Lord Jesus, help me get to the, to the finish line. And it. I barely made it. I ran off so fast and had to, to pump in the bathroom. <laughs> uh, so that was, that was my, that was a memorable experience. Um, I think also, uh, man, that Vegas one, was that last year already? That was last year that we did that with rock and roll team build, team yeah. building. Yeah. Um, you know, I was brought in last minute and I wanted to make a good impression and I knew that someone had had the spot before me and bailed. And so I only had two days, maybe, well, maybe not that short, but very short notice. And I wanted like, there were so many songs. I remember there was like what, 60 stings or something like that. Yeah. And it's not just, it's like, it's not just the song. It's not like, Oh, you know, shut up and dance. Okay. I know shut up and dance. It's the song and also what part of the song yeah. and the whole deal. And, and for, and that's hard enough with songs you do know, but if there's songs on there, you don't know, you right. have to remember like, well, which one is this? You know, it's almost like you have to have one ear, you know, one ear that's through mix for the show and, and everything. And then another ear that's like the songs queued up so you can like listen to I them. Had a, before, I, you know. I have to admit, I had like three, which I call cheaters. I had three cheaters because I, we were luckily for that. I remember we were allowed to have lyrics because there's no way I could have memorized the, that amount of songs and the way they were cut up for each sting. I don't think anybody, uh, if you watch like the Kennedy Center Honors, you know, like a big show like that, that's like a big deal. People up there are reading charts, you know, I think right. for a gig like what we're talking about, I don't think there's any shame. Yeah, but I remember, I remember I had, but what I was going to say is I had all the lyrics, but there were three songs that I knew, like, no matter what, I will not remember the melody for this song. Like, it, I, it just didn't sit with me with, for whatever reason, or it sounded too similar to another song, and so... I had it set up that I could listen to on my phone real quick and just get the like, okay, I just need to hear two seconds of it to get it in my brain before we would have to go into it. Or there were also a couple like very blind entrance type songs that I was like, I need to get the note, you know, before, before we kick off into this. Uh, and it was like, what, starting at like eight o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Those gigs my are, favorite yeah. time to start to sing an Ariana Grande song or uh you know somebody like that rihanna those gigs are tough too because you know your md is trying to like listen to watch the show 
listen to the production staff on the back channel radio give you you know music cues you notes whatever else um probably could delegate that stuff a little bit better but like you know it's a there's a lot there's a lot going on things change in the middle of it and yeah anything is like a blind entrance you know it's like for me i can look at a at a at a chart drum chart you know and be like, okay, um, I see the, you know, I, I, I write very simple, easy to follow charts because I've learned my lesson from having stuff that is hard to read or too many things and you forget where you are. And so my, my charts are real dumb. <laughs> and, you know, so I could look at a chart, even if I've never heard a song. Like if you gave me a chart written in the style that I write charts, I could play the song. You know, it's got the kick drum pattern, any breaks, any figures I need to know tempo like that you know the feel yeah. swung you know two-step like second line whatever um it's it's much different if you're expected to sing especially if it's a blind entrance you know of like okay i'm looking at lyrics be like it'd be like okay let me slide these lyrics in front of you and just sing it and it's right. like no like unless you've sung a song Unless you're intimately familiar with the song, which a lot of these songs we were, but there's a there's enough on the list that like I never heard before, where if you were saying Kyle, okay, you're singing on this gig, like I would have had to, I would have had to have come up with some kind of workflow to, to like sort of like match my drum preparation workflow to mm-hmm. get to be able to sing on a gig like that. I was right. super impressed by you and and Kieran uh, Gribben, who was the other singer on that gig. Um. That's a that's a lot to to right. try to 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 try to like remember, especially because like we had great like pfft, who, who we had on that gig though I mean, like band, everybody the band, was, the band, killer, the band yeah. was slamming and we had yeah. Jeff Subaru Jeff Subaru from Tainted Love and Enrique Iglesias mm-hmm. we had uh, um, Ben Levine on bass who uh, is a man about town but he played with um, Neil McCoy um, another country another known country artist too I can't remember that guy's name though but he played with Neil McCoy who's a country legend right. Uh, Wendy Angarani, who is a uh, great keyboard player from Australia and Indonesia. Right. Um, played with tons. Played with, yeah. I mean, anybody that's come through there that's needed somebody. Um, uh, Kieran Gribben uh, was the other vocalist and, and kind of leader of the band. I mean, Wendy was MDing, and, but Kieran was kind of leading the band, and he, he was the last singer in NXS. Yeah. And then yeah. me. that you and me we're like hi thank you for letting us be here yeah but you and i i mean i like to be humble but you and i are a powerhouse we're great apart but we're a powerhouse if you put us on a gig together whether we're singing together or whether i'm playing drums and you're singing like there is a a, um synchronicity and a and a like uh, a locked in thing that you and I have together and that we bring to the band of like, yeah. all right, like Jackie and I will be on the same page and that, that helps tighten up any, any band or any gig we're on. Except for what was my, what was my, my, what, what's the word I'm looking for? My Achilles heel, <laughs> my Achilles heel. Oh, the Taylor Swift song. No, what do you mean? Oh, uh, what? <laughs> like all the single ladies. Oh, yeah, that's hard. That's hard, though. But I thought you were going to throw a stick at me at one point. Yeah. I didn't. <laughs> I could have handled that better. We were under a lot of pressure. Just, it's here. Well, just, okay. I did get it, though. I think we all ended up coming in on it, though. Yeah. But, but it was, yeah. it was that, one, that one was like, oh, my God. Yeah, I didn't get any that's more funny. frustrated at you than I would have got at anybody else, but it's hard because you're my 
now wife, then fiance. And everybody reads into that kind of stuff. It's like, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, you're, you're the one that I always look to for honest feedback. I look to you for approval. Um, Not no, not in a weird, bad way, but I'm like, I'm, I look to you. I like, I know that you're going to give it to me straight. Also, we have that thing of where we're like, oh, did you see what I did there? Did you notice that I did this or whatever? We've always had that too. Um, and you and I are are two types of people that really listen to what's going on in a band and on stage. And we don't miss much if <gasps> anything we moved, at all. Uh, no, <laughs> we, uh, if you're wondering why she just um, gasped. gasped, it's because we moved our cat's litter box to a more convenient location for us. But we've been... <laughs> petrified that she's just gonna poo and pee all over our house either out of not knowing where it is or out of being upset that we moved it and she's currently using it and it feels like when you potty train a kid and give her affirmation good job kid. i want to give her treats but she yeah. I, I, she probably won't know it but anyway yeah like um you know i i, I and and it's that thing too though of where i know that that if you get upset at me for something like that i know it's because you know that I can do it. Like if, if you you would have if you didn't think I was capable of getting that, you would have figured out a way to dumb it down for me. Yeah. Well, I did but, try to dumb it down, but <laughs> part of it was like me not me me realizing maybe I don't know how to explain how to do that, you know. But yeah. It's just a weird time and it's and a weird it's, it's a, a weird groove out of context. Which it was because it it's like it's like a bar of, the way we were doing it was like a bar of drums and then the vocal comes in. That's not a lot of like, not a lot of. Um, you can't get your get set up for that. Yeah, it's it it was awkward for sure, and I had to be like, look, just like when I come in, count to seven and then <laughs> sing, which is also not like, especially for a singer. I mean, for a dancer, you're a dancer, so maybe it makes. I maybe I thought it was making sense. Like, look, you're a dancer, count to seven, then start singing. But that's just, just not doesn't so, work as well ugh. for non drummers, really. You know. Yeah. Well, anyway, it, it's one of those things though where I know that if you you have this eye thing that you do where it's not quite an eye roll, but it might as well be. Huh. But um, where you're just kind of like I, the way I read it, it is always like you can do this. I know you can do this. Like just get it together, you know, kind of thing. I don't, I don't take offense to that. And I'm not that, I'm not that sensitive. It's also tough on a gig like that. Cause it's not really fair. Um, but you can't with how many songs we had to get through and stuff they were adding and changing on the fly. It's like you, you like can't, nobody can get hung up on stuff for too long. And there was a few things the band got hung up on because of course, but you, right. it feels panicky and it feels like we're, like Frantic. we don't have time for this and it's like that's a really hard frame of mind to be in because then you because then you don't give anybody space to you know everybody's you know I mean I've I mean funny enough thinking I mean talking about the Phil Esh gig but Blood on the Tracks there there was a song that uh, in fact Megan Slanger was singing and I was like oh you guys are you guys are the guitar part and the vocal, like you guys are turning it around. You're not like you guys aren't coming in in the right part or whatever. And I got them to work it, work it out the way that I thought it was supposed to be. Right. And then somebody's like, no, it's not like that. It's like the way they were doing it. And I'm like, no, 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 it's absolutely, <laughs> it can't be because the way that so they're, you are the asshole because the way they're doing it sounds so stupid. 
Yikes. It doesn't, the other way is like, that's the way that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I listened to the song. We all listened to the song and I was the asshole. <laughs> really, Bob Dylan was the asshole because why would you write it like that? But it was like one of those things where it was like, you know, I'm not immune from from those moments. Yeah. You know? Well, okay. So um, the, uh, how about what is a genuine like gig horror story? I mean, I'd say the the there. I mean, I really have one that sticks out, and I I I was really I've been really lucky in my career. I came up in the Bay Area like session drumming scene behind some very big heavyweights, people that were doing big things, who took their time with me and to give me advice and mentor me and really like, because I didn't like. I know we've talked about this before, but like. Kids now, it's like you go on YouTube, every video of any musician you want to see is there. Right. Interviews. There's so many like companies that do drum lessons and have do interviews tutorials. and tutorials and like the blueprint is there for people now, really, almost to a fault because you know, there's plenty of people that move to Nashville or LA or whatever thinking they're going to make it big who have no business doing that. Not that they e- couldn't ever, but like... You know, you need to be the best drummer in your town doing the thing you're doing. You don't have to be like the best at everything, but you got to be the best at doing the thing right. that you do before you think about going to a, like a big city and, and trying to be like, I'm going to go get a gig or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break into the studio scene or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, when I was coming up, didn't, uh, and it's partially my fault because I didn't go to college. I mean, I, I went to the like community college and stuff with some great musicians, but I didn't go away to music college for four years and like get schooled on some of this stuff. So I didn't, there's a lot of things I didn't know. I didn't know really how to make a living in music, but also once I started to get uh, hired to play gigs and studio sessions and stuff, there was plenty of stuff that I screwed up that I just didn't know. And it was Mm -hmm. like, you know, people be like, Hey man, you gotta have a, you gotta have a metronome. You gotta bring a metronome and you need to know the metronome markings. And you know, Hey, you need to have this, extra gear in case something happens and like you know you got to be able to chart tunes quickly and you got to be able to write charts that make sense to you like all these Mm. things that like i got to sort of learn over time but i got an opportunity to play uh with um singer of train pat monahan on a corporate gig that now like i've done a million of these gigs i've done gigs that required far more preparation with far less time and I have fucking nailed them. But at that time... Earmuffs. Yeah, well, I mean, we're allowed a couple here. But uh, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I won't cuss anymore if you have your kids in the car. Um, but back then, I didn't, you know... Um, there was skills of preparation. I talked about my, pre- pre- my preparation skills, preparation H skills, whatever, <laughs> um, that I didn't have back then. And I had never played with ears. I'd never mm-hmm. played to tracks. And the reality is, is this gig was a gig for in Vegas for a, a real estate, um, real estate Conference? company or like a like an apartment, like a property management company or something. I don't. I was like, whatever. It was a big conference, right. and they did what we've now done a million times and, mm-hmm. and hired you know Pat Monahan of Train to come do this gig. And um, at the time, Train was not really working, or they had they were just getting back together and working on a new record. Mm-hmm. And Pat 
um, had uh, done a solo record and solo tour and all that. And I think on this particular gig, the money that he was probably getting paid, if I had to guess, wasn't enough to have Train, but it was enough to have Pat. So, you know, he, okay. he kind of used his guys, but uh, was in between drummers and, and his drummer who was doing the solo stuff, who then ended up in Train eventually, couldn't do this gig. So um, my friend Jerry Becker, who's the keyboard player and now MD in Train, uh, offered me an opportunity because he thought, well, Kyle will put the time in and Kyle will take it seriously. And I, and it, to a certain extent, I did. Like, I took it very seriously. There was just things that I didn't know to be aware of or prepared for. And, um, <clears throat> you know... They got a million things going on, so I understand it now. Back mm-hmm. then, I didn't though, and 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 so like the gist of what happened was like yeah, get get to the horror story. <laughs> the gist of what happened is like I couldn't get I could not get a set list from them, uh, and I, and I realize now it probably wasn't that high on the priority list. It's like whatever, it's a corporate gig. We're gonna do these songs, but whatever. Yeah, but yeah, it would. I, I mean, I'll I'll give you that, but it would have helped to have but, that information. But yeah, but that's that's not completely fair. But okay. And then the next thing problem I ran into was when I finally did sort of get like, all right, we're probably gonna do these songs, and it was like, okay, what versions of these songs? Because there's the train studio versions, there's the train live versions, there's the Pat solo studio versions, and the Pat live versions, and that's right. that's a lot of uh, versions audibles that could happen <laughs> at any given time. Could not get that information. I tried to prepare best I could for like, all right, you know, um, they might do a sing-along here and they might drop the band out here and they might not. I don't know. Like, I'm just going to try to be aware of all this stuff. They played a gig, a corporate gig for, I think, for Safeway, like mm-hmm. the week before. And it was in Monterey and James DePredo, my our buddy James DePredo, was playing guitar on that gig. And so they were like, well, why don't you come check out the gig? You just kind of see what we're doing. And like, then you'll be, you know, that, that'll help Right. get prepared yeah. and I was like yeah killer I'll drive to Monterey hang out with my buddy James and, and meet these dudes and it'll be fun and it was fun and I'm sitting there and like they they went through the set a certain way there was no drop band dropouts no sing-alongs none of that stuff they just played the songs straight through and I'm like mm-hmm. okay cool great there's no no funny business and right. I put that you know put that in my mind and then you know we were supposed to go to Vegas the day before and like sound check and set up as we have so often done and like get a nice long rehearsal and everything else. Mm -hmm. And then they decided like, no, they don't want to pay for an extra night. So they're going to fly you out of San Francisco at six in the morning day of. Okay. I'm like, okay, (laughs) but you'll get a nice long sound check, you know? Okay. I didn't realize a, that I was going to be running tracks, Um, which I had not done before. uh Oh God. Until I got there. Uh-huh. And not only that, I'm not running the tracks. They're triggering the tracks from front of house or from monitors or whatever. Oh, so I'm not wow. even like, okay, cool, we're doing calling all angels. Okay, here we go. Triggering the track. One, two, three, four, go. I wasn't even doing that. It was just he gave a signal or whatever, and all of a sudden the count off would come through my e- like it's oh, it's wow. and I've never had to do that since. Right. And so couple that with the fact that like I've never Played I to that point never played on in ears before. I always just had a monitor. I've never run tracks. Why would I need in ears? I've never played a gig where I need in ears. So they give me in ears, and it's like trying to get a mix where I can hear the click because I can play the click. I do a lot of studio. I was doing studio right. work. It wasn't like I can't play to a click track, but it's like it's a very different thing if you've never done it to be wearing in ears to be playing to tracks. Um, and yeah, so we show up. Um, 
we go, we meet in the lobby to go over to sound check and everybody's super cool, but there's all these weird extenuating circumstances. Like they were about to move on from the bass player. Who's an amazing bass player. I won't name him Cause I don't know if he, I'm not going to, I don't want to tell Anyway, right. point yeah. is he's an amazing bass player and he's played with amazing people and he's played with amazing people since that gig, but they were deciding to move on from that gig from him on that particular gig. And he figured it out on that gig. They did oh. not give him advance warning. So that was there was that going on. Uh, the guitar player drove in from L.A. Um, and he big he just big leagued me. For, like I was I showed up like, oh, hey, guys, how's it going? Whatever. And he's just like, who? so who are you? Like, who do you play with? What's your story? And I'm like, I'm thinking like, oh, he's just getting to know me. And I'm like, oh, you know, I'm just playing with all these people in town. I do this. I do that. Yeah, but who have you played with? Like, who are you? Like, what do you do? Why like, should you be on this yeah, game? Yeah, and I, and I realized, like, in that moment that he's big leaguing me, he's just trying to be, trying to make me feel bad, I guess. Right. And I finally am just like, look, man, like, I don't, I don't have an answer hey, for man. you. I don't have an answer, because I don't care. Like, I'm like, you want to do this? We can do this. Right. Like, I don't have an answer that's going to satisfy you, man. I just, I'm a dude who plays in town. I'm Jerry's buddy. Like, I, I work a lot in town. That's all. Like, I don't have a big tour under my belt, if that's what you're asking me. Right. You know, he's kind of like, well, you better know these songs because I'm used to these things happening. And, like, you know, if you screw them up, blah, 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 blah. Like, granted, we haven't rehearsed. I'm already super nervous. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, and that's how you, like, to me, I'm like, why are you, why would you put that in my head? Like, wh- why aren't we going to go out there and, like, try to have a great gig together? Right. Hey, man. Like, well, let me know, like, if I can answer any questions for you or if you need any cues or whatever, like, I got you, whatever. The way that we would, like, this dude was big right. leaning me, and I was like, I'm a lot bigger than him. And I, <laughs> and I, it was, it took a lot for me to, like, to not react a certain right. way. And so then, you know, we get, we get to the, to the sound check, and we're supposed to have this nice long sound check. Pat doesn't show up for until like an hour and a half into sound check. And then instead of what I thought we were going to do, which is like, can we like go through the, I have these questions about these songs, cues, links of sections, things that are like have, are different depending on what gig you listen to or whatever. Instead of doing any of that, he shows up with a brand new song that they just wrote and recorded Mm. called Hey Soul Sister, (laughs) which we had to learn on stage, had to learn on stage. That little song? So yeah, the first time Hey Soul Sister was ever played live was by m- me at <laughs> in little, Las Vegas. Little fun fact. Yeah. That's actually a really cool fun fact. Yeah. Um Yeah. So <laughs> I and, never knew that. And 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 to, and to wow. add add to that, uh Michael Jackson had just died. Oh. So he's like, "Let's do the way you make me feel." Which is Which is not an easy one not to an just Not an easy song and a really difficult drum groove to get right especially if you've never played it. Right. And the fact that on the record, it is, it's programmed. Well, it's all, it's yeah. a lot of programming. And we didn't have a track oh, for it. Man. So I'm like sitting there trying to figure out how to make this song feel good and feel right this is giving, on the this spot. This is making me stressed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So stressing me out. Well, and, then, and so like we get through sound check and everything, and like <laughs> everything's cool, you know? I mean, nobody's freaking out yet. Like it's all fine. And then I'm like, hey, Pat, you know, like if there's any chance I can just, get like 10 minutes of your time to just talk through some things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, now he's got a meet and greet. And then he's got to go back to his room, which the hotel and the venue were two different places. Mm-hmm. So, I, Well, you know, it keeps getting put off, keeps getting put off. And I'm just like, and I'm talking to people in the band, like, are we? how is this stuff going to go? I don't know. When we get up on stage, we start the show. And um, 
the first song was Calling All Angels, and there's an outro to it that goes a certain number of times, and it's got drum fills. Well, I went too long, because I, I lost count, and I was nervous, and I, I and everybody hung with me, the band hung with me, but everybody knew that I went too long, mm-hmm. and I knew I went too long, and it was like, that just set me up. I was just like gripping after that, mm-hmm. and um, honestly, like the show itself didn't go bad like mm-hmm. i don't i don't feel and i don't have a recording of it so who knows and i've been talking telling the story for a very long time but <laughs> like yeah you know it's my horse story. Uh, although you're you win but the thing is is what ended up happening was all the 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 drop downs and sing-alongs and everything else that he didn't do at the show before that i went to to take notes mm-hmm. to learn how to play the songs he wanted to do that night right of course but we're on a huge stage it's fogged out. The lights are dark. Uh, I can't really see him. Mm-hmm. I'm on ears, which I've never played with before, so I feel very isolated from what's going on on stage. And no offense to Pat, but his cues, at least that night, were not very obvious. Right. Like I'm talking about like turning his head to the side, but not all the way around. <laughs> and I'm directly behind him, and I'm looking right. at I'm looking at Jerry, who's on keyboards. I'm looking at the bass player. Neither of them know what is supposed to be happening either. Right. They're like, I don't know, I don't know. The band, the whole band plowed through all this stuff, but I got the blame because right. I'm the new guy. Right. You know? And at one point, we were, he wanted to bring it down and I followed him and, and I guess I wasn't bringing it down enough and I don't know because I'm on ears. I'm just like, I'm playing softer now. Right. But I guess for him, where he was, what he could hear, I wasn't soft enough and he turned around on the microphone and was like, listen man, you got to follow me when I tell you to bring it down. Like you got to bring it down. You got to listen to me. <laughs> On the microphone, Ugh. which is the only time that that's ever happened to right. me, and I both wanted to die and, and also him. wanted to kill him. <laughs> um, but it was like one of those things where you know we get through the show and it's and uh, it's fine. I got to hang with him afterwards, and he didn't like read me up one side down the other. But I kind of knew like I'm not going to get another opportunity probably to do this with him Man. or with any of these guys. Come on, somebody call you for for another gig because I know you could redeem yourself well, I've and done, be I've like done, a million times like I've show done, them all. Well, I've done gigs with big with <sighs> equally big people I know. since then and nailed it. But the thing is, is the, what I learned from that <sighs> failure to wrap it all up. What I learned from that failure is like what yes, you learned from that um, opportunity. Well, yeah, and what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> thank you. One one is that like. Yeah, there was a lot of things that could have helped me. I could have used more information. I could have used more leadership, time, whatever. But I also did not prepare in the right ways for a gig. I was not ready for a gig like that. But how do you know how to prepare for that until you kind of are a little bit thrown under the bus, so to speak? Yeah, I, I get, mean, like, because that, that's the thing that we get irritated with a lot of, um, I'm being sarcastic, artists that haven't actually gone out and led a band and done the crappy, no offense, you know, 10 to 1.30, 2 a.m. gigs where you're having to cut your teeth on these gigs and like learning like what do you do when somebody skips an intro or a part or whatever and how to like handle all that stuff. Like you don't know until you're like thrown to that. True, but I guess to me... Because if you are expected... Because, because you know... (sighs) But I can you see- can't prepare for everything on your own for something like that. No, but I can see how from their perspective, they're like, this is a pro gig. This dude probably should be able to, probably has played on ears before. He's probably played to tracks before. Now, 
that information would have been valuable for me to have, but I can understand how their operation would be like, yeah, like if you're coming up to do this gig with at this level, then those are skills you should have. Okay, but, fine. And, and the <laughs> okay, thing is, fine. is like now, now I have all those skills and you could call me, I mean, Pat himself right now, train whoever could call me and be like, you need to get on a plane right now. Our drummer, his appendix burst and you're the only drummer in the world that could do this gig. Right. You know, you need to be on a plane right now. Sound checks at three tomorrow, you know, in Monaco or whatever. <laughs> we're going to email you the tracks. Right. And like, I, but, I, I, but you just said we're going to email you the tracks. Right. Fair enough. You're still giving, giving more, uh, yeah. more credit but anyway I, I know that you would you would nail it now i'm just i'm just saying like there are th- parts about that story and that gig that are not my fault but there is a lot of stuff that i realized was in my control uh that i didn't handle and that maybe i didn't know to handle it but that's the thing is that now 10 plus years later uh I'm, I have, the, I, I know that I like, Hey, I better be ready for all the, like the, I'm not getting the information I need and that's not a good enough excuse to like blow the gig. So I got to like, right. you know, uh, yeah, but that comes down again to your being the diplomatic one of us too. <laughs> I'm like, I like, yeah, I get it. And I know that you are pro and that you, you could, I know that you would do a great job, but there's also the thing of like, if people want to hire you to do a gig and to do their gig and to do it well, they have to, they have to put in some kind of work too and give you all that you need to be your best. And that irritates me when people like you, you can't like, you can't expect, you know, miracles and, and magic. I mean, you know, I, I, I just, I, I don't like that. Yeah. But, fair enough. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I, thing is, is a gig like that though. Like if you don't use it as a learning experience, if you don't use it as like, all right, what could I have done to salvage this gig? What could I have done to to make sure that like, no matter what you know BS got thrown my way, that like I'm ready and and I have it. And there were things. There was a number of things that I'm like, oh, I I need to I need to clean that up. I need to clean this up. And because um, otherwise, if you don't look at it that way, if you're like if you're either like, none of this is my fault, or I'm such a failure woe is me like then what you then that's then you it just comes and goes as an experience nothing good comes from it because not only do you not get called for a gig by those guys again but you also don't learn anything so that if somebody else calls you you're ready so anyway that's that's by far i would say my that's like it's not the worst gig i've ever played because it was in a good location i had a lot of fun it was an experience i don't regret it and there were really great moments. I mean, there's a whole drum, you know, a whole like drum solo section of a tune with Pat, with me and Pat that we never rehearsed. And it's written out like it goes a certain way or whatever. And we nailed it. So there's stuff like that, too. Where it's like, right. yeah, we, uh, these things didn't happen the way that maybe he wanted them to. But there was these other things that were great right. or not maybe even not great. But like I, I got it done. So right. anyway. Um, that's a long story. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. What's your, thanks. <laughs> yeah, let's, uh, I want to hear yours. Um, well, mine unfortunately are more personnel than really like, like gig, you know, but, um, and I tell you what, you know, chick singers, crazy, crazy bunch. 
Uh, I wouldn't know anything <laughs> about that. You all seem fine to me. Um, so in, in the first, what, one or two episodes, we talk about our background and how we came up in this industry and everything. So mine was really with the first band that I, I played with. I um, What was so funny is my first experience in the, I should say, cover band corporate world uh, scene. Um, um, like, amazing. The woman that I sang with, Omega Ray, who I, I will always like, I mean, that, that girl, I love singing with her. I love, you know, she's, she's amazing. What a great experience to have as my first like band experience with another woman, just gracious, not, like, just like, Hey, you know, do your thing. Say like, Oh my God, I messed this part. Ah, oh, fine. You're good. You know? And we would coordinate with outfits and everything was, everything was easy with her. Just, she was just chill and, and she was great and didn't feel like she had to, you know, we never, never felt competitive, I guess is, is what I'm getting at. What had happened though, is I came in to, um, fill in for someone that was out on maternity leave. So it was three, three singers that, that led the band. This is back when the, uh, like mid nineties, huge bands, it would be like three singers, horn section, uh, four to six dancers and, you know, these, these big band shows and, and everything. Um, I was only intending to be there until the gal got back from maternity leave. And then what happened was, um, actually, I don't honestly know what happened. I just knew that one day I came to a gig and Omega wasn't there. The other gal was. And complete opposite of what Omega was. Um, didn't really float my boat as far as vocals, um, what I what I will always give to her is that she would learn songs and she would know them, you know, with with a day's notice. She would have the songs down. She always knew her songs and she was um, very uh, uh, she had a you know performance level and stuff, but not a great singer. Um, and she had it in for for me from the get go. And. The things that happened <laughs> throughout my time with this band, with this gal, I mean, she, it was always like, um, it was weird the way it was set up. There wasn't a set list and like you were designated a song. Uh, the, the leader of the band who funny enough was a drummer would call out songs and he'd call out who was singing it. So you had to know all the songs. Um, but she, when she came back, she just didn't want me to sing anything. So if he would say, best of my love, Jackie, nope. He'd call it, he'd point to me or say it, and she'd come, she'd, you know, give me a look and come out in front and sing it. And I'd be like, okay, well, whatever, fine. You sing best of my love, cool, you know, whatever. But she kept doing that to me all the time to the point where I would sing one or two songs a night, which grand scheme, who cares? But it was the thing of that I was just constantly being bullied. And I mean, I care. I <laughs> Just, I've had it, those moments. But it was just, but it was just the like, so there was one day, I don't know what I had, what gave me the strength, what gave me the confidence, because I was new to this and I was still young. I don't even think I was driving to the gigs myself. You know, my parents would come with me and stay in the car for the duration of the gig, you know, and stuff. But there was this one gig. I'll never forget it. 
she came out in front of me. I don't even remember the song. I want to say it was like Boogie Oogie. So like, you know, no one's going to, you're not going to be, and it was like a, a 50th birthday party. You're not going to be a star. You're not going to be found that day. You know, Simon Cowell isn't going to find you, you know, at this gig. She comes out and comes and plants herself right in front of me. And I was like, no, you're not doing, not doing this to me. Not today. And I came out around and I planted myself in front of her. And we just kind of did that. Like she whipped out around, came in front of me and was singing the lead. And it was just like this game of kind of chicken. And we were both like, and, and, every, and now by the, this point, everybody in the band knows what's going on. And everybody's like, whoa, you know, what's going what's gonna to happen? Like until we got, and we were of all times, we were on a stage that was like five feet up. And I got to the very, like, if no one could come around. <laughs> I dare I, you. I, I beat her. I got to the very edge of the stage and it was like, you know, all over Boogie Oogie. You know, it's just like so stupid. But like, man, she rode me for years and was just so mean and like little things. Um, like, Well, like I said, little things, but it, it's obviously stuck with me. Uh, I remember we would do these um, New Year's gigs. And we would coordinate and we would do costume changes. Um, you know, we'd do three sets. So first set, we're going to wear this. Second set, this. And I remember one year she told me, um, you know what? Let's not change for the second set. Let's just stay in our, our outfit. I like these outfits. Let's just stay in, stay in this outfit. Like, oh, okay, you know, cool. I don't have to go run and change and everything. That's nice. Cool. Take a breather and, you know, whatever. Dan, she didn't go sneak off and change. So I'm the dumbass that didn't change for the second set. But she did. And so did the other, the male singer. But even though she made it seem like we weren't changing. So it was like me looking like I just forgot or forgot my outfit or didn't, you know. So it was like little things like that until finally like, uh, you know, I, I swear to God, I was I was with them for several years. And it got to the point where we had to say, where I actually had to say, you know, look, we're not friends. We, for whatever reason, you don't like me. Let, we don't have to talk. Let's just do the gig like, and, and figure it out. And like, that's it. We're here to do a job. Like, don't talk to me. I won't talk to you. Let's stay in our own corners. Like, and that was the, the best it was for the time that she was still in the band was just like having to say that thing of like, we're in a band. We're not, we, that doesn't mean we have to be friends. We don't have to like each other. It's a gig. It's a it's a job. Um, so that was one. Another one was an, again personnel where I was filling in for a band, and this woman literally tried to fight me on stage. I had finally got a. I, this was later on, and I had, um, you know, had a lot of gigs under my belt, and I knew, I knew my worth, I guess, by that point. But um, she physically tried to. She, you know, there's there's a thing that girls. I don't know if they do it so much now, but back back in the day, if you like accidentally smack somebody once on a gig, you know, if there's three of you up on stage sharing vocals, you know, it's going to happen. But if it happens more than once, twice, you know, it's it's on purpose. And then this gig, like it was we were backup singers and we were only, we only sang one lead a piece. And on my lead, she got up in my face and started screaming. If we were at somebody's wedding again, like this isn't, this isn't Carnegie hall. This isn't Vegas. This isn't anything. This is a wedding and you're ruining a, a 
couple's night because you're now screaming at me because you don't like the fact that I'm getting to sing a lead and it's only one song. And so like stuff like that, that that's happened. And, um, has she seen you throw a punch? <laughs> Luckily for that one, like, again, like I never actually, Oh my God, that reminds me. So that night after this whole thing, that gig, she's screaming at me. She's in my face. She pushed me. Um, and you know, it was just awful. And it had been a long day. We had, we'd flown and our flights had all been canceled and, and we barely made it in time. And it was just been so stressful. And we get at the end of the night after all of this, get to the hotel and to, to find out that her and I were rooming together. And I literally, like at that point I was just done. I just burst into tears and I was like, I'm going to just sit up in the lobby all night because there's no, I she'll like murder me in my sleep. Like I'm sure of it. Or, you know, I'm going to have to sleep in the bathtub. Um, all the guys from the band chipped in and got me my own room because they were so <laughs> sorry for like everything that I had to endure all day and night from this woman. So, um, I got my own my own room because they felt so sorry for me. This, those are the stories I don't understand, though, because to me, it's like okay, fine. You hear the, you hear the stories about like the kind of epic divas or or you know male and female, right? That are mm-hmm. like Diana Ross and whoever that are like you know mm-hmm. difficult to work with and divas or whatever. They're the exception, not the rule. And I don't understand people like that that act that way on a big gig or a small gig because to me, it's like. Do, if you think you're too big for this gig or you think that you deserve special treatment, like if you were to get a touring gig, like a legit touring gig, say you got the, she got the backup, the gig as a backup singer for whoever, touring, doing a big tour. Right. You can't act like that. No. You have to be professional and friendly. They People lose gigs over over their personalities or their cleanliness or whatever all the time. Right. You be the best singer in the world, best musician in the world if you can't, be on a bus or on a plane or in the lobby of a right. hotel, like hanging with people and, and people like having you around, you're not going to be around for long. Mm-hmm. So I just don't understand. I mean, I just, when this, when I see stuff like that, I'm like, I don't know who you think you are. Like, because nobody really ever gets away with stuff like that. And I guess maybe yeah. in a band like that where they don't feel like going through the, the, because if I was running a band and somebody acted like that, they'd be out on their on their ass like quick, very quickly. Right. Well, well, but then that's when I started coming into my power in the sense that like it, learning the power of no, in the sense that that the woman that ran that band, you know, called me a month later and asked me to do a gig, and I said, um, I hate to have to ask you this, but will so and so be on the gig? And she said, Yes. I said, Then no. She's like, Well. You know, she's like, well, I, I was like, no, I, I, I would rather stay home and not make any money than be on a gig with her and, and to be treated the way that she's treated me and, and everything. No, I'm good. Like, you know, so that started. And, and then what's funny is every time something like that has happened, I kid you not, a week later, someone will call and say, hey, I have this, you know, I have this gig. Can you do it? And I'll be like, no, I'm sorry. I can't. Um okay, well, can you refer this, you know, what do you think about this person? She was the other name I got. I can't, I can't tell you that that's someone you should go with. I can give you three other names though of people, but like, so I know there's, there's been several women that I've worked with that, um, have not got a gig because I haven't said anything mean, but it's just like, do yourself a favor 
and call one of these other gals because they will show up. They will be happy to do the gig. They will be nice to everybody on the gig and they will treat everybody well and, and everything. But you will, if you have another female singer, this person will like, you know, demolish them. I mean, there's a very short list of musicians in the world that are irreplaceable, you know, Keith Richards and and nobody like there's no Rolling Stones without Keith Richards and Mick Jagger, you know, like that level. But like everybody else is replaceable. Well, and especially like this is such a small I mean, we know better than anybody, right? Like this is such a small little world here, right here in the San Francisco Bay Area. And, you know, as much as. You know, everybody doesn't know everybody. You still have generally heard of a lot of people. And, you know, you hear enough stories, you know, one or two people say, hey, that guy didn't come to the gig and they sent somebody else or this person didn't learn the material or whatever. You know, that gets around pretty fast. Um, so those are like my my biggest ones. I mean, one was that uh, or I wouldn't call a horror story, but you were on one. Um Remember when I was pregnant and someone that kept touching my belly? <laughs> yeah, he'll go unnamed, but you would know him if we named him. Exactly. And I don't I don't know how he still gets called for anything. I there's nothing, there's not one ounce of talent in that person's body. And my doing a gig, you know, I think I was seven and a half I was seven and a half months pregnant. That was big. And, you know, to be, for any stranger to come up and touch your pregnant belly is weird anyway. But for the fact that not once, but twice, three times, you find in, in what, a 20 minute span of time, you find a reason to come up and touch my belly during a sound check. And he also threw you under the bus. So there was that. Yeah, I don't think it went quite the way he thought it was going to go, but, uh. But like that was he hadn't even we hadn't even played a song yet. <laughs> but uh, he didn't yeah. play a song yet. He's like, yo, you got to play like this guy. Oh, okay. Well, I'm not that guy. So yeah, yeah. I mean, he still gets called for stuff because he had songs on the radio. But time comes for everybody, and there's people, there's other people that are contemporaries of him that we're also that we've also worked with and our friend friends with, who will be getting called and working and doing things and be getting opportunities. Long after his phone stops ringing, yeah. you know, I mean, and that's just the reality. Like very few people in the world are, are irreplaceable or unforgettable. And um, I don't know. It's just funny. It's funny to me when, when, when people are not self-aware enough to, to know that, including us. I mean, I've been replaced. I've been replaced in, in bands <laughs> and projects and stuff. And it's like. Not me. Yeah. <laughs> just kidding. Um, there's been some really weird gigs, too. I mean, I got. um. I got asked to do a gig. Oh, I was so excited. It was, um, and again, in one of those things where I put in so much work, my sister and I were asked to sing back up for a very well-known, uh, telenovela star. I think I told you about this one recently. And, um, you like how my accent comes out whenever it's about a, a like Latin my favorite star. thing. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we were asked to learn these backgrounds and, and we learned, you know, it was like three, four songs. He was, you know, he was the, the headliner of the night. It was this huge, huge concert. And, um, I have a picture somewhere with him. Um, but anyway, uh, 
so excited and and like I said, learned this, learned the stuff, learned the songs. We Elena and I, um, my sister was with me. That was when we were the Herrera sisters at the time, and we had some choreo and everything, and start the show and realize. No wonder we didn't have a sound check. Nothing was plugged in. They literally, literally, just press play on the the CD. That's ballsy. And just everything was lips like nothing coming out like I there was like within I realized because you know I was used to doing gigs where you just show up and you walk on and you go and and you know whatever and I then I, I like the song starts and I'm like wait what and the band wasn't even pl- like everybody was miming he was lip syncing he wasn't singing live I mean and it was one of those things where you look out and you go like do you not notice that like all the songs are fading you can't do that <laughs> That doesn't happen. Normally, normally you'd have a track that was made specifically for live that didn't fade out. I mean, that's that's a that's ridiculous. I was devastated, and I felt so so stupid, and so um, I was just not. Not only did I feel stupid, but I thought I was so I couldn't believe it because what a waste of my time and talent. In the sense of like, I put time into learning all this stuff, and then le- we learned parts and and everything, and learned all the the stuff that was on the songs. Yeah, I mean, and then it, it's like you could have just hired two two girls and and not paid them as much as you're paying us, which I, you know I'll take the money, but um, <laughs> I mean, I'm not stupid, right. but but um, that was really like that that just hurts so much because also too being a singer, it's like man, I want to I give me the headlining spot. I would have sang the shit out of, you know, my stuff. I would have brought a slam and band and, and, and everything. And it, that, that was like, that was, that was hard. That was not great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think unless you're um doing crazy stage show, dancing, whatever that some of these pop stars do, uh, right. well, which I still don't really approve of. of, of I, yeah, like, no. I, to me, it's like, I would rather you do less and actually sing the songs. Yeah. Agreed. But at least in those big stage shows, it's like, okay, I can understand. Like, you can't you can't run across the stage and sing. You're going to be huffing and puffing no matter how good the shape you're in. <laughs> yeah. But for some, like, just some, like, just random telenovela star or whatever to be like, yeah, I'm not going to sing. I'm just going to lip sing. It's just like, why? Why? Right. Why bother? Just yeah. put the record out and, like, be like, I have a record and never go sing. Never do it live. Well, one of my, I guess, you know, kind of, I don't want to say close. I feel there's like a million more stories we both could, could tell. But like on the flip side, going coming to Mercy and the, and the Heartbeats, our band, um, I think one of my favorite gigs is uh, the one we did in Sacramento. Um, like the, the, that was like, you know, we, we, we put our band out in... Um, 2019. Why does that seem so long ago? <laughs> it was 20, uh, well, yeah. Because In 2019, April. It, it, it seems so long ago because this year, 2020, was supposed to be. This was our year. Like we, I mean, you look at 2021 and we already have a, a fairly respectable schedule because a lot of our gigs from this year moved to next year. Right. But this year, we, we already had a packed schedule and we hadn't. Yeah, we hadn't even got to the season where like you start booking corporate gigs and stuff that right. tend to come up more last minute. So it feels like so long ago because we worked so hard to get the band up. We started in like mid-April of last year 
And then we we did played a pretty respectable, decent number of yeah. shows for for only really even being Brand available new. to yeah. hire for you know maybe a little over half the year. And so yeah, it feels like a million years ago because we were supposed to. I mean, by this point in August, we would have already played a, a lot of gigs this year. Yeah, we were packed. But um, la- so last year, um, Hip Entertainment uh, booked us for. Oh boy, she got really really close to a. To an area that would not be fun. That's the cat, um, <laughs> not me. <laughs> um, we played the downtown Sacramento block party for the announcement of their major major league soccer league soccer yeah. team and um, Sac Republic. That was the first time that we got to really like, I feel, be on a stage that we could really flex our our muscles. Yeah, and, it was a and, big stage with big production. Like super high end pro lighting, huge like uh, jumbotron like, behind us, basically. Yeah, yeah you know. I mean, on either side, and and you know, um, we usually have our own sound company and everything that are amazing. But it's very rare to walk into a situation like that where it feels so seamless. And those guys were so great and treated us great, and it felt kind of like we made it. Like. Here we are. We we did it. And then we delivered. Yeah. Like that was one of those shows where you look back at the video, the videos people took and you're like, we look good, we sound good, we're performing, we're using the stage, like all of our it's like everything is is dialed and you look at that product and you go, yeah. This well, and, this is what we imagined it was going to be when we were sitting around it's what we imagined and we what we were striving for and not by no means am I saying like that was it, but like we got there in five months, like, you know, that, that's, that's pretty, that's pretty big. And I'm, I'm really, I'm really proud of that, that show and that it didn't, and, and that's not even gigging every weekend or anything, even at that point. But like in right. five months we got, we went from like, like our first gig. I remember God, like I, I've never, I, I don't remember the last time I felt like I just want to get through this gig. I just want to get to the last song as much as our first gig because there was so much writing on it and we were so, um, we could, it couldn't have been a more, um, how, in, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Supportive group that we performed for. Our first gig was amazing in that sense, but just like, Oh, like I don't, I don't want to have like too big of uh, mess ups, and are we going to remember this? And how's this? And you know, because our first gig was really like we didn't really ever have a full on rehearsal before our first gig. No, not really. <laughs> and then I mean to get to to your point of like uh, getting there in five months. You know, I mean that's one of the things I love about our band the most, and one of the things I miss about not being able to perform. And thinking back on some of these these stories we have, these more one off gigs and stuff, and you know, the great thing about our band is we got there in five months because it was like we'd play some gigs and be like, man, we got to tighten this thing up. We really got to like get our transitions going, you know, better here and whatever. You mention it and it gets done and it gets retained and it happens every time. Nobody. like, And you, you, you realize in that moment, like how many gigs and bands and whatever you've been in where you, the same mistakes get made over and over and over again. And you kind of go like, hey, we got to clean that up and it doesn't get fixed. And then you're, and then eventually, and then you're fighting over it. Eventually, you screw it, and like you know. Well, right, but you also get to a point where like you, the the resentment that builds up because someone's not taking. I wanted to say criticism, but it's not even criticism. It's just a note, like you know, um, doesn't want to take a note that doesn't want to take feedback that doesn't just want 
to make it better. They just want to get through, like they would just want to get through and get onto the other side just so they can go home. Whereas we were just like, let's just like, we got, we got to get through this. Do we have enough material? Do we, you know, um, we don't want to mess up, you know, kind of thing. Um, but like the, the guys in our band, like I, I, I am so, um, have just so much respect for, and that they can, they can take feedback. I can take feedback. I, you know, I, it's, it's just something that's been so refreshing and so nice and, um, effortless in that nobody has like, Hey, can you do, I I mean, and and it just feels like to, that there's a point where we don't even really have to even tell people much about stuff. It's almost like they hear it themselves too. They do. They have great ears. And I mean, like me and Will, you know, Will, Will Jenkins, the drummer, you know, we, we are of the same mind about things. You know, I'll, I'll kind of start to talk about, Oh yeah. He's he's already there. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I've been hearing that too. And it's like, to not have somebody kind of like hear you make a suggestion or or just ask for something. I mean, yeah, everybody feels so. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, they're already they're already on it. Yeah, like if if you do if you do um, mention it, like oh, yeah, I heard that. My you know, it's not like oh, you think so? Well, I I didn't think it was like that. They it's already been. Yeah, I heard that. I fixed it, or I heard that I, I'm working on it, or you know whatever. Um, and uh, I really appreciate that about everybody because it's not so common and that's not what we've been used to working with Yeah, in lots of different areas and bands. Yeah. Well. You're starting to get that look of like we're, we've talked a lot. <laughs> we're almost at uh, 75 minutes. Oh, so, my goodness. Yeah. Part, of the, part of the problem is that I, I told probably the it's best. It's okay. I like that I told story. probably the best story I have and I didn't even get it probably all of it but that's a great story but uh well one thing i want to talk about um or kind of like revisit was um we mentioned megan slankard um if you don't follow megan slankard you should be yeah she's great um she's amazing um i am i will happily share my man's my husband with her any day of the week as long as he's back in time for dinner Um, creatively creatively yeah yeah. uh you can find her at meganslanker.com that's M E G A N S L A N K A R D dot com. And um, right now, if you guys hear this soon, she's like embarking. What is she's trying to get her numbers up to? She needs like 17 more Patreons to hit a certain number. And I can't, I was trying to look up and see what that was. I didn't even see it, but, but I, I'm sure it's, you know. Um, yeah, she's amazing. She's a great singer songwriter and she's just a great person i mean if my kid um doesn't love everybody but she loves megan slankard and she always wants to facetime her and have tea time with her so that's a big thing she's yeah she's a great Um, songwriter great uh singer and she's doing interesting stuff and um you know it's we're i mean we're we're mostly in the cover world but like you know we're we're always trying to to do interesting stuff too and so when we see it happening especially in the you know people that are sort of doing their own art and, and, and working hard and, and in some ways starving for their own arts. Like we want to try to promote it as much as we can. Yeah. Plus, I mean, she is just that good. So Megan Slankard. And then, um, also we mentioned, um, Kieran. Yeah. He's another one to check out. He's, so sure. he's starting to put new music out. Um, <laughs> his name's Kieran Gribben. 
from NXS. I don't even I don't have it in front of me, so I don't want to misspell it. It's uh, like C C I A R A N C I A R A N G R I B B I N. Yes, very good. Anyway, he's starting to put out new music. Um, he's I mean he's got some some crazy songwriting credits and and co-writes Madonna. and collaborations. So Madonna. he's worth following and checking out. And um, yeah, I mean there's just you know. Our buddy Clay Bell, who we've worked with a bunch, is is putting out original music right now. Yeah, he does and, like um, a song and a um, video a month. Yeah, and I'm, and Kyle has uh, been playing and playing all over it and singing. Yeah, I'm on a bunch of that stuff. Um, and so that's stuff to check out. Yeah, and then we're, we'll and, we're the- and we're putting out. I mean, you follow Mercy and the Heartbeats on and. Uh, on the Instagrams or follow us individually. We're putting out content. We got some collaborations coming out soon that are going to be fun. Yeah, perfect example is our our you ought to know cover. Yes, of like, you know, me hounding Mr. Will Jenkins, dude. Come on, like I want to put something out and wondering what the heck is taking this guy so long. Well, you know, Will Jenkins doesn't just play. He plays and he deconstructed the entire drum yeah he wasn't like he wasn't like oh we'll put we'll put the you know the drum loop the electronic drum loop on a on a backing track and we'll put the brush thing like he he tracked the brush thing he he tracked the electronic drum loop he tracked the main drum part and they sound amazing and they're note for note exactly what's on the record and yeah and you that's know, that's all our guys. A, yeah. It's it's Danny Blau, it's Eric Hayes, it's Alan Leong, and um Mr. Mans here, you know, added some backgrounds and helped me put the video together and stuff. So you gotta check it out. And it was super fun and it was worth the wait. Definitely worth the wait. So okay. Well, I think the next time we get together on our podcast here in our uh dining room slash living room with Manhattans in hand. Our, our uh, our, I almost said percussion, our podcasting studio <laughs> that doubles as uh, our everything else studio. Yeah. Um, I think the next episode might be a little bit more like relationshipy, lifestyle like, but I don't know. This was a pretty good subject. I think we, we can kind of go down this road for now since we don't right, have any yeah. gigs. We can't. I mean, we need, we're going to need more time. We're going to we're gonna need more episodes to tell all the stories we want to tell. Yeah. Think, probably. All but, right. Uh, okay, fine. Start. I'm fine with, with signing off. Okay. Well, uh, miss you all, love you all. Hope everybody's being safe and um, staying masks. sane, and everything's going okay. It's, be kind. It's, be kind to yourselves, but be kind to others. It's uh, somehow considerate. somehow it's only August, but somehow holy crap, it's August. So mm-hmm. you know, look, we're not we're not outwardly political on our podcast, but and this is to me is not a political issue. So I hate that I even have to give that disclaimer, but wear a mask, mm-hmm. like just. Just, just wear it. It's, it's, it's what everybody else in the world is doing, and they're going back to normal life, and we're stuck here not working because we we can't seem to get this thing under control. And everybody else in the world was wearing masks, so just put a mask on, mm-hmm. and don't post about it, and don't complain about it, <laughs> and don't put don't wear a mask that says like, you know, the governor of California is a fascist or something because he don't... asked you to wear a mask when you're in a safe way. Just put the dang thing on and shut up about and, it. Well, no, and don't put your hands on anybody that asks you to put one on. Yeah, don't do that rightly. either. Wear it rightly. Wear it right. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. It's not a political issue. It doesn't make you, it's not a liberal thing to wear a mask. It's not a conservative thing 
to not wear a mask. Just wear it. Just wear the mask. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. That's my, my PSA. Sorry <laughs> if I offended anybody, except for if you're not wearing a mask and you're offended by this, I don't care. Wear the damn mask. <laughs> Be offended. Still put it on. All right. Love everybody. Take care. Bye. You said that you found me, but you know it ain't